Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Frank Newkirk, FNN Ranch in Lexington, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the nation's cattle herd continues to shrink due to the prolonged drought. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Teaching high schoolers feed yard skills. That's the focus of a program offered by the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food System Transformation Program includes creating a more resilient food supply chain. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more in my report straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. In East Texas these days, it's hunting season all the way around. That's what everybody talks about, dove season right now. Uh, we get a little squirrel coming up in October and uh, bow season for the deer. I'll have that coming up. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The recent cattle on feed report showed the American beef herd continues to shrink. Kevin Good, Vice President of Industry Relations for Cattle Facts, says the lower numbers continue a long-term trend. I think we need to recognize that we've been liquidating the beef cow herd in the U.S. for four and a half years plus. And because of that, you've got smaller feeder cattle and calf supply outside to place. And the trend should remain intact probably for at least another one or two years that we're looking at tighter supplies. Good says persistent drought is the main reason for the contraction in the U.S. cattle herd. And unfortunately, we were in the midst of a three-year drought. We broke that cycle earlier in this year, but the dry conditions have returned, particularly in the state of Texas, and that's a huge cow state. That's 15% of your beef cow herd there. You've got some dry pockets in Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri. All those are big cow states. So really, drought is the number one factor that caused the liquidation to continue longer than you would have thought looking at prices. And in addition to drought, Good says the beef industry is facing other challenges like the cost of capital, rising interest rates, the availability and cost of labor, urban sprawl, and others. Veterans who are interested in learning more about agriculture can now apply for the Battleground to Breaking Ground program. 
The four-phase training program includes information on creating a business plan, agricultural marketing, financial planning, and the opportunity for mentorship and networking. The next cohort begins January 20th in College Station. The deadline to apply is December 8th. Additional details and a link to enroll are available at TX agraability.tamu.edu. That is T-X-A-G-R-A-Ability.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Fall is officially underway, but it hasn't felt like it very much here in Texas. Generally speaking, as you move into Texas and Louisiana, southern Mississippi in particular, it has been an incredibly hot, dry period that really just never went away. That's USDA meteorologist Brand Rippey, who says he's expecting the hot temperatures to stick around for a while. That is not going to change over the next week. We're still expecting temperatures in the 90 to 100 degree range across the southern half of the Great Plains and extending eastward to the Mississippi Delta as well. Expect those temperatures again to reach 90 or higher just about every day, along with some blazing sunshine for this time of year. Of course, there are some benefits to the heat and dryness, like faster maturing crops and good conditions for harvest, but it is not ideal for planting winter wheat. A program offered by the Texas Cattle Feeders Association teaches feed yard skills to high school students. James Hunt has more on that program from Amarillo. This semester, there are about 220 high school juniors and seniors from across Texas participating in a program the Texas Cattle Feeders Association calls the Feed Yard Tech Program. And interestingly enough, their training does not deal with cattle. What we tell young people who want a career in the industry is that 70% of all employees at a feed yard will never touch an animal. Now, Brady Miller does say the Feed Yard Tech Program offers education on cattle care and handling in the spring, but for the fall, the focus is on equipment and machinery. And the two pieces of machinery that these students get to drive this session are what we call the small wheel loader, which is a front-end loader and a skid steer. And those two pieces of equipment are the primary two pieces of equipment that are used mostly in feed yards. So they'll get to do that. And then the other piece of this, when I say maintenance and mechanic, lots of maintenance that goes on in a feed yard. And that's typically has to do with oxyfuel, welding, cutting, bending, torch work, work like that. And so they will do some training and they'll have to do a proficiency test to show us that they can efficiently and proficiently weld, uh, bend, use oxyfuel. So that is a piece of this. And Brady Miller says students who satisfactorily complete the program earn a special certificate. Which they can take to a feed yard and show that to a feed yard manager and say, hey, I went through this program. And it shows the feed yard manager that they have a little bit of interest, that they have some knowledge. And it may give them a leg up when they go to get hired if they choose the industry to work in. For more information about the feed yard tech program, contact the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Students will need the approval of their high school ag teacher. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is highlighting its food system transformation efforts. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The goals of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's food system transformation include four areas. First, building a more resilient food supply chain. Second, creating a fairer food system. Third, making nutritious food more accessible and affordable. And fourth, emphasizing equity. Here's more from Melissa Bailey, the Associate Administrator for the Agricultural Marketing Service at USDA. 
Overall, there are more than 60 programs within the food systems transformation effort. And these programs do address each part of the supply chain. So from production, processing, aggregation and distribution to markets and consumers. AMS grant programs are a key part of the USDA larger effort and are providing funding for projects and programs that support local and regional foods across the country. We're also investing $130 million in American Rescue Plan funds under the Local Agriculture Market Program to support direct producer-to-consumer markets, local and regional food markets and businesses, and value-added agricultural products. We're also using $1.1 billion of American Rescue Plan and Commodity Credit Corporation funds for the Local Food Purchase Assistance Program, which uses non-competitive cooperative agreements with states and tribal governments to procure and distribute local and regional foods that are healthy, nutritious, and unique to a geographic area. This funding was also used for the local Food for Schools program, which strengthened the food system for schools by helping build a fair, competitive, resilient local food supply chain, particularly with an emphasis of procuring food from historically underserved producers and processors. That is Melissa Bailey with USDA's Agricultural Marketing Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall is here and farmers and ranchers' minds turn to deer hunting in the piney woods of East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Talking about deer hunting and very little farming. Because that's the way it is here in East Texas right now. With the hot weather, the drought, all that come through and produce producers, they just started shutting down early on this summer. So we can't hardly find any fresh homegrown vegetables on the roadside stands right now. Hate that, but that's just the way it is. However, let me just add this real quickly. It's potato digging time, sweet potato digging time. As you know, the county fairs and the state fairs, all that's coming up and going on. The gamberies coming up soon. So we're looking for good East Texas grown sweet potatoes right now. Most of the people in the cattle business are in farming of any type. If you have any acreage of any size, you're getting ready for deer season. And many of our producers use the deer season to earn a little extra cash in the year by day hunters renting from them, things like that. And uh, I know people all over East Texas, like I say, small deer plots, they're they're up for lease right now. And we still have a few available in some areas. You can check around and find them. Hunter education courses, they're going on right now. And if you have not had your hunter education, you need to update that because it's very, very important. Now, I talked to one uh, cattle producer, and he said, I don't know. Uh, It's just like right now, we're trying to get our food plots going for the deer. We're also trying to estimate when we're going to put our winter pastures in. We've got some wild ryegrass growing in some spots, but it's just we're still in that uh, period of time where we're not real sure exactly what we can do until we get more moisture in this area. So uh, we're just going to wait till that uh, fall rain cranks up, which that ought to be just really, really soon. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. The National Park Service and Texas Parks and Wildlife will be working this week and next to control ODAD in Big Bend National Park. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the fall is typically cattle working time here in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Political ad paid for by Right to Farm Texas PAC. Learn more about Proposition 1 at righttofarmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. Political ad authorized by Right to Farm Texas PAC. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's fall and it's time to work cattle here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says you need to have a plan for disposing of needles and other sharp and contaminated objects that are used during fall working. Dr. Lisa Moore from Kansas State Extension indicates at Drovers.com that if you have ever reached into a drawer and gotten an unexpected poke by a sharp object, you know how easy it is to injure yourself. This same situation commonly occurs with needles and other objects used to work cattle if the sharps are not handled properly. Dr. Brian Lubers with Kansas State indicates removing the needle from the syringe is the most common time when an accidental needle stick occurs. For this reason, it is recommended that if you are using a small syringe and needle combination, simply dispose of the syringe and needle both to avoid an accidental needle puncture. Veterinarians have sharp containers that are purchased and are designed to hold used sharp objects like needles, scalpel blades, glass tubes, razor blades, or anything else that could cause an injury to humans. A true sharps container has a lid on the top, and companies will pick them up and dispose of them. You can ask your veterinarian about companies that provide these sharps containers and the cost. The cost is not going to be that much for a rancher, as you will not have large amounts of sharps in most cases. Dr. Lubers indicates you can also make your own sharps container by adding a small amount of bleach to a thick one-gallon plastic jug, fill it about three-fourths full with sharp objects, and then take it to a medical waste facility. There are products on the market that you can add to the gallon jugs to harden the materials to prevent a puncture risk, and then the jug can be disposed as regular waste. If you must remove a needle, use a pair of pliers as some livestock injections can be dangerous to humans. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The National Park Service and Texas Parks and Wildlife will spend the next two weeks controlling Audad or Barbary sheep in the Big Bend National Park. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Portions of Big Bend National Park will be temporarily closed to the public this week and next as the National Park Service works to control the non-native Audad population in the park. The closure will impact the Dead Horse Mountains and surrounding areas, including Dagger Flat Road and Old Ore Road. 
The Park Service will work with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to remove Audad using helicopters and staff trained in aerial shooting operations. The Park Service says the aerial gunning will be done to protect native bighorn sheep, which compete for resources with Audad. Audad can carry bacteria that leads to the death of nearly 90% of all Audad infected by it. Audad are native to the dry mountains in North Africa, but they now thrive in the rugged landscape in West Texas. The Park Service says they've established a foothold in the park over the last 30 years, and their population has increased significantly, with hundreds now in the area. They prefer the same habitats that bighorn sheep inhabit, and they negatively impact the natural ecology of the park. The Park Service says large groups of Audad can prevent bighorn sheep from accessing water, threaten biosecurity, and impair park visitors' ability to experience natural conditions and scenery. The Park Service says as they and the Parks and Wildlife Department continue their work, areas of the park that have been surveyed will be reopened. Park visitors are encouraged to follow posted closure signs. On October 9th, crews will survey Mesa de Anguilla for Bighorn and Audad. The Park Service is there. They'll use non-lethal control measures for Audad. The Park Service is updating its website for Big Bend throughout the closure on nps.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a higher close in just about all of our agricultural markets on Monday. We'll take a look back at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. Find more information by visiting tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a higher close in nearly all of our agricultural markets to kick off the trading week on Monday. The biggest factor is that we averted a government shutdown over the weekend. That seemed to pump some life into most of our markets after traders had been cautious in their trading last week heading into the weekend. To start out on Monday, live and feeder cattle both closed higher. October live cattle up 22 cents, 184.42. December up 42, 188.35. While February live cattle were up 67 at 193.17. Same thing on the feeder cattle. October feeders up 85 cents, 253.32. November feeders up 80, 255.70. With January feeder cattle up $1.30 at 259.35. Cash-fed cattle market, all quiet, as we usually see on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the Southern Plains at mostly 183. That is fully steady with the previous week. In the Northern Plains, they sold dress cattle 290 to 291. That is one to two dollars lower than the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up 215 at 302.93. Select up 287 at 278.91. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction, San Saba, my guest. Ken, how was the sale in San Saba? You bet, Larry. We ended up right at 1,600 head today. I thought overall the medium to heavyweight stocker steers, I thought, were overall fully steady. I thought the real lightweight steers were probably 5 to $6 lower this week, kind of that uh, 300 to 400 maybe some down to 2.5, whatever on those. Stocker heifers, I thought, were overall steady to maybe $3 lower on a few instances. Again, the bigger cattle, I thought the Peter steers were fully steady with nine steers today, weighing 787 at 224 Down a little over $1,763 on those. The Peter heifers, I thought overall were steady too. Had 11 head that weighed 647 at 226 a day. A little over 1462 dollars on those. Packer cows they were probably seven to ten dollars lower. We're right now seeing a lot of cows from up north that are going to the packing house. That'll probably last another 15 to 20 30 days for winter time up there. They're culling lots of them after palpation and everything. Pretty normal this time of the year. I thought the Packer bulls were probably uh, four to five dollars lower this week. Pears and bread cows I thought overall were uh, steady Larry. So overall still a very good strong market. Uh, a lot of opportunities to, to really turn some good uh, cattle into some good cash right now still, Larry. What do we got coming to Mason Monday? Just a regular weekly sale. Probably have kind of what we have in the last two or three weeks, six to 800 head, kind of the way it's shaping up. The next Thursday, we do have our October stocker feeder sale here since Apple. We're looking for a good run like that, probably 1,500, 2,000-something uh, within that range, Larry. Tell everybody how to contact you, Ken. You bet. Give us a call, Eric, code 325-372-5159. Also go to our website for any information at jordanatcattle.com or Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram. All those we're on, Larry. We appreciate you, Ken. Thank you so much. You bet, Larry. Thank you. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was my guest, Ken Jordan. And you're my neighbor. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs, about the only lower market we saw on Monday. October hogs dropped 35 cents, 79.85. December hogs down 227 at 69.50. Class 3 milk closed higher. The October contract up 11 cents, 16.99, 100 weight. Cotton market also putting in a slightly higher close. Same story there. No government shutdown over the weekend, so that caused a bounce on most of our markets. December cotton up 60 points, 87.75. March cotton up 67, 88.59, with May up 68 at 89.18. Corn and wheat both getting back most of the losses we saw back on Friday heading into the weekend. December corn up 12, 488 and three quarters. March corn up 12, 503 and three quarters. With May corn up 11 and three quarters, closing at 512 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat were higher. The soft wheat market actually got the biggest bounce, but the hard wheat market was nothing to shy away from. December Kansas City wheat up 13 cents, 676 and three quarters. While December Chicago wheat was up 23 and a quarter. 564 and three quarters. In the energy markets, November natural gas was down eight cents at 284. November West Texas crude down 225, 8854 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow down 141 points, 33,366. The Nasdaq up 39, 13,258, with the S&P down 12, 4,275. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.